this weekend we celebrate the solemnity of the Trinity, and I am reminded of the segment we did with Billy a few months ago about the number three. It's an important number. Most good things come in threes. And God also comes in threes. One God, three persons. Not three gods, not three stages or faces of God, not three qualities of God, not three incarnations or expressions of God, one God, three persons. Each person is individually and fully God, all three perfectly united to be fully God. Hard to understand completely, but not impossible to understand in part. Not if we understand relationship and if we understand love. Because God is love and love is relationship. It is logical that for God to be completely love, God has to be perfectly in relationship with himself because love cannot be love in isolation. That is why God is a relationship, a relationship of love, the lover, the beloved, and the love that they share. That is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But what does that mean to us? Well, go and be in relationship. Go and love. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Cowan. And Billy Chan is Billy's not, here. not here. No, that's okay. He's entitled to have some time <laughs> off. But that that's means true. that if people miss him, you should write to him at B. Joe Chan. Or I guess you can write Emily or me too. But tell tell him that you miss him and you want him back on the program. How's yes. that? You miss uh, his tips on making mass less boring. <laughs> Church for dummies. Um, lots happening in the show today. So, Emily, any what's in our news today? Uh, so, we're going to talk about um, some of some reactions from Vatican officials on uh, Trump's decision to pull out from the Paris Agreement. Interesting. Um, not the Pope, though. The Pope did not react. Um, so, we'll just talk briefly about that, as well as uh, last Sunday was Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So, Pope celebrated Mass um, and. Yeah, those are kind of the big the big things. The big things that yeah. are happening. Okay, good. So that's Emily with our news uh, coming in about, I don't know, five or so minutes. And after that, Sister Marie Paul Curley will be back to tell us the window to the soul to the film Moana, a film that, and I and admitted this to Sister Marie Paul, <laughs> that I started watching. I was in a flight and I fell asleep. <gasps> oh, so no. No, no, I don't know. <laughs> I, hey, I don't know. Maybe it's a great film. I was just tired. Um, but it was fun because I was actually in Boston uh, at the beginning of the week and I pre-taped the segment with Sister at their convent and publishing center in Boston. So uh, it was very cool to be in Boston with the Daughters of St. Paul at their publishing house there yeah, and 100%. in their little radio room um, recording the segment. So that's in about 15 minutes and then afterwards Sebastian will be speaking with Sister Priscilla Solomon that I'm sure you know who she is about reconciliation with indigenous peoples. Uh, yeah. Sister Priscilla is... Fascinating uh, topic. Yeah, she's a... Uh, a sister of St. Joseph, and it's also an Ojibwe. Um, so that's at the end of the first half hour. And now, Emily, the topic at hand. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that we can learn from Protestants? Yes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just going to say yes right yeah, off the top. I think, I think there is, for sure. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I have an interesting story, actually. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have stories like this, but uh, it's it kind of happened very randomly. I was in a coffee shop one day and I was on the phone and I don't know, I was saying something religious. I'm something not, Catholic. <laughs> some, something Catholic. Jesus was probably said at one point. His name was <laughs> was declared. <laughs> but anyways, and I think she just caught on to that and, and asked me, you know, kind of like, what, well, like, what's your deal? You know, like who, what faith background really? are you? So we started chatting and it was a very, it was a very nice conversation, very cordial, especially at the beginning, uh, talked about our faith journeys mm-hmm. and kind of what, uh, what really drew us to, you know, to having like a personal relationship with God and prayer. And, uh, but then, you know, my story in- involves the Eucharist <laughs> and, uh, yeah. it's a very big part of my faith journey and, and, and my prayer life. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when that kind of came up, uh, the conversation, changed a little bit the tone changed and so it right. became a little bit less of a conversation and, and more of a debate and i yeah. i wish i i wish i went to finish that way but um yeah, yeah so it was and unfortunate I, and that's been my experience too that i feel that a lot of times that we get you know catholics and non-catholic christians together we're all fine until you know as long as we don't talk about the eucharist or mary mm-hmm. or I, I guess those are the two big ones the saints um but most of the time, you know, it, we're fine. And if those topics come up, then it becomes like a confrontation or a debate. Right. And uh, yeah, I was in I was in uh, Venezuela once. We flew into the Missionary Congress down there in Maracaibo, and we had to wait like two hours for this bus to pick us up. And the 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 reception area at the airport, which is tiny, was full of people. And I started talking to this man because, of course, I'm with this group, and there's priests and stuff, and turns out that he was even an evangelical pastor. Mm. And I'm not kidding, for the next hour or more, he and I were just back and forth and back and forth. And it was very pleasant. Right. But at the same time, you could tell that he was, you know, a little bit trying to convince me and I was a little bit trying to convince him. And it was very jovial and we were fine. But yeah, it's like, can we be in communion if not in perfect communion? I mean, we are in, com- in partial communion. Yes. So... Anyway, um, I, I posted this on Twitter, as you know, and uh, we received some comments. Uh, you know, I, the question was, is there anything we can learn from Protestants? And uh, Rosie at Spooky20, that's Rosie, I don't know if she's listening to the program. She said, yes, we can learn how to talk and appreciate each other before the service and stop the cliques. The spirit seems more alive in non-Catholic groups. I think I can I can see where she's coming from. Um, I think a lot of evangelical communities are very oh, community. Yeah. They're they're very welcoming. They're mm-hmm. very good at at receiving people. Sometimes maybe I find it a little uncomfortable. It's like okay, I don't want to talk to anybody because right. I'm Catholic probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if I go to my church, all the little groups are there. Right. Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah, I do. I do see it. Um, I grew up in a different. Uh, I guess in a different environment. Like I, it was normal. Because you were after. already the small community. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, all, the outsider already, French community. Yeah, exactly. So we we uh, we often kind of found ourselves, you know, hanging out after mass or lingering, yeah. you know, yeah. at church and yeah. Yeah, and I see that in my parish too. The Spanish community mm-hmm. is very much a community. There's only like a hundred people, so everybody knows everybody, and we have coffee after mass. Whereas the other masses, it's a little uh, different. Um, Joshua Gonerman wrote, he said, look at the Methodists 
to learn about actually putting our money where our mouth is. I think he means that they... Tithe. They tithe, yeah, or they, they give money to stuff, to the church. Catholics right. maybe don't do that too much. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Mm. Um, anyway, so the reason why I'm asking this question is because I have a book here by, and I'm sure you know who Peter Kreeft is. Yes, I do. Beloved author, prolific author, and uh, I presume he's a theologian. Um, uh, he's a professor of philosophy and theology, I think, at Boston College. And his latest book is called Catholics and Protestants. What can we learn from each other? So it's not Catholics learning from Protestants. It's not just Protestants. They need to learn everything from, <laughs> from us Catholics because we know it all. But what can we learn from each other? And it's a fascinating book. It's not your typical kind of, uh, it's certainly not it a book. It seems like an easy read, too. It's great. It, it, it is an easy read um, because you don't have to read it in order. You can just open it and read a chapter, and they're all, you know, three, four-page chapters. Mm -hmm. It's a great little book. So I'm, I'm very excited that, that Peter Kreeft is going to be back on the Salt and Light Hour today to tell us about, um, not just about the book, but I'm, I just want to pick his brain on, on some of these ideas that he's sharing. So... Um, that's Catholics and Protestants. What can we learn from each other? That's in about half an hour. And then at the end of the program, Emily, we're going to continue our conversation with uh, uh, Father uh, Peter Skudra yes. who, from Latvia, who was here last week. Um, and we started this conversation last week, and we're going to continue. Um, today, he's going to tell us about Latvian Catholic music and Catholic artists. Um, some interesting music coming out of the Catholic community there in Latvia. And one of the groups um, is actually a group that Father Peter uh, was instrumental in creating when he was in the seminary. Um, so this group is is called the Seminarians. <laughs> um, they're all these the seminari awesome. seminaristi. So here are the Seminarians, seminaristi with cells. I think I'm pronouncing this all, all this this correctly. All our Latvian listeners can tell us cells, which means roads or ways, from their album Luke, which means behold.
That was Seminaristi from Latvia with Cells, which means roads, from their album Look or Behold. And we're going to be speaking with Father Peter Skudra, director of uh, Radio Maria Latvia, about Latvian Catholic music at the end of the program. And in about five minutes, the windows to the soul of the film Moana with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first... Here's Emily with our news. Yes. So I'm just going to start off by saying uh, Pope Francis sent a letter to the current major archbishop of uh, the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, their uh, former, the former head of the of the church um, passed away on May 31st. He was 84 years old. And his funeral took place on Monday um, at the cathedral in Kiev. And so in this letter, Pope Francis just pays like one final tribute to this man. Um, he had sent a, a previous message um, last week upon learning of, of the death of this cardinal. And he just, you know, recognized him as one of the highest and most respected moral authorities of the Ukrainian people in recent decades. And he also said that he was a unique religious and social presence in the history of Ukraine. And he invited people to follow this example, the, the example of this man's faithfulness and total surrender to providence. So an important figure in the Ukrainian church mm-hmm. um, to be remembered. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was Pentecost as well. <laughs> I, right. don't, I don't think yeah, that... <laughs> yeah. In case anybody missed it. In case it. Anyone, <laughs> anyone missed it. Um, so as usual, uh, the Pope held our celebrated mass are in St. Peter's Square with thousands of faithful. And well, what was unique about this weekend is that he got to celebrate um, Pentecost not just on Sunday, but there was also a vigil on Saturday night with the charismatic renewal. So a lot of members, um, again, the thousands of people came from all over the world to yeah. uh, to, to just pray together in Rome um, because, of course, they're also marking the 50th anniversary of their foundation. So an important milestone. Mm-hmm. And uh, present at... Um, at these events were also uh, Pentecostal and evangelical uh, representatives. Good. So, r- very so there topical, you go. We're, very topical. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. We're talking about we how we can learn from together. each other. We can and worship together. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Certainly. Um, and, and the Pope did speak about that, about how the Holy Spirit is the one who creates diversity in the church, but he is also the one who creates unity in that diversity. Yes. Um, so yes. I guess that's kind of the little nugget that we can take away from, uh, from what he said uh, over the weekend. So unity and diversity. And uh, we can ask the Holy Spirit to um, to help mm-hmm. us with that. Absolutely. Um, I was also mentioning uh, the fact that President Donald Trump um, pulled the United States out of the Paris Agreement. So something that had kind of been talked about and we're a little nervous about. Um, so some Vatican officials commented on this. And what's interesting, sorry, before I kind of like share some of the things that they said, is that um, if if you don't know, um, Donald Trump met with Pope Francis two weeks ago at the Vatican. Yeah. And uh, and during that meeting, they didn't speak the two, you know, Pope Francis and, and Trump didn't speak directly about climate change. But it was something that was uh, mentioned during his official meetings with um, the Pope's advisors. And didn't the Pope give him a copy of Laudato Si? He did give him, yeah. exactly, div- give him a copy of Laudato Si. And Donald Trump replied, I will read them. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. um, maybe maybe he just didn't have time in two weeks to read them. So who knows? Anything can change. Maybe we should send them a copy of our DVD series, uh, creation. creation. Yeah, exactly. You can watch that in 
So, I mean, some of the Vatican officials who commented, for example, Cardinal Peter Turkson, who is the prefect for the Dicastery of Integral Human Development, um, said this is something that we hoped would not have happened, of course. Um, and he says certain issues should not be taken out of or should, should be taken out of the political discussion and not be politicized right. um, because climate is a global public good and not limited to any country. Um, uh, the Chancellor of the Pontifical Academy of Sciences, uh, he's an Argentinian, Marcelo Sanchez Sojondo. Um, his words were kind of like cut a little bit more. Um, he said, actually, this is before the decision was made, uh, that it would be a disaster and a slap in the face. So <laughs> a little bit more, more <laughs> direct. direct. Yes. Um, and Cardinal Reinhard Marx, who is a member of the Roman Curia and president of the Commission of Bishops Conferences of the European Community, it's a mouthful, um, he said he wasn't surprised and that, uh, unfortunately, the fact that the United States is backing down he says, erodes the global trust achieved. Yeah. As we know, uh, 195 countries had signed this agreement in December 2015 in Paris. And, um, well, now we're in at 194. So yeah. the United States yeah, exactly. is United is States, uh, yeah. together with Nicaragua and Syria, are the exactly. three countries that did not, that sign, did not sign, that are out of the agreement. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for that, Emily. Um Emily Callan, our news producer. You can watch her on Vatican Connections every Friday, 8 p.m. on Salt and Light TV or also on demand at our website, saltandlighttv.org and also on our Roku channel. You can follow her at Emmy Callan. Hi, I'm Michael James Meddy, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro, and earlier this week, I found myself in Boston, Massachusetts at the convent and publishing house of the Daughters of St. Paul, where I met Sister Marie Paul Curley, and we recorded her segment in the radio studio of Radio Paulinas, thanks to the help of the master, Sister Maria Ruth. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. So good to be here, sister. Oh, welcome, Deacon Pedro. Usually you welcome me, but this time I get to welcome I, I, you. And I feel very welcome. This is a lot of fun to be in this. This is a historic room, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. A lot of wonderful radio programs have been done here. Yeah, uh, beautiful. And now we do, Sister Maria Ruth does Spanish radio programs that reach over 100 countries. I know, it's fascinating. It's wonderful. We should have her as a guest on the program one That would day. be great. <laughs> that would be great. She's an inspiration. Um, but you're going to Tell us about a movie. I am. Today, a movie that I actually didn't get to watch the whole thing. And why was that? Because I fell asleep. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but but I, uh, in fairness to the movie, I was on a flight and oh. I was probably sleepy. Um, but I, yeah. Okay. I, those... I, I had a hard time with this particular movie. Okay, so don't hold it against Deacon Pedro, um, audience here. Uh, we uh, The movie we're talking about is Moana, which, as you know, has been a big hit yes. in the theaters. And I imagine Not also, for sleepy adults, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also for streaming and DVD. Um, I... I really wanted to talk about this movie because, yes. you know, with my media literacy work and also my work with 
encouraging young people to discern their vocation, I found very powerful themes of discerning your call based on your identity of who you are. Okay. Um, very strong in the film. And I know it's really a fun family film mm-hmm. about a girl who goes off on an adventure. It's really a hero's, hero's quest kind yes. of film. But it's a little bit... I think, tweaked to represent the heroine's journey pretty well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's kind of typical, and I can understand why you fell asleep at the beginning. No, but I can also see how it can be, I mean, it is a story about someone who's trying to find who she is in the world. Yes. And And especially what her mission was, how to respond to the needs of her people. Yes. And, uh, I mean, just to briefly recap, I'm imagining that most of uh, people who are listening here have seen the film if they if they have yes. children or yes. nieces or nephews yeah, daughters and uh, especially <laughs> yes. daughters and I mean of course that's also great that there's a strong female lead mm-hmm. in the, in the film as well uh, but b- the basic story is that there it's set in the island I actually think it's in many ways somewhat uh, it could be Samoa um, or any of the island cultures mm-hmm. and the island has been thriving for years but now it is starting to fail. And this young girl, who is the daughter of the chief, is going to take over the leadership of the of the people there, of the island people. Mm-hmm. And she feels, but she at the same time that she feels called to do that, she also feels called to go out on the ocean and to go beyond the reef, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is dangerous open water that her father forbids her to do. And so she feels this longing to go. And and she receives many signs that this would be this is something she's really called to, and yet her the pressure of her parents encourages right. her to stay home. She finally, of course, the movie wouldn't have gotten made if she didn't decide to go on the of journey. Course. So she goes on the journey, and that's probably around the place where you fell asleep. Probably, <laughs> yes. But uh, really, as the movie progresses, she constantly goes back to who am I. And then, and it's very clear that as she does that, she's always holding in mind the needs of her people. Right. And for someone, if you wanted to look at it as a parable of a good shepherd, mm-hmm. um, or it, there's, it, it's really a powerful film. And I think it's helpful to look at the different ways she discerns the obstacles that she faces. Mm-hmm. That they discourage her, but she keeps eventually. Tr- she keeps trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the and there's many obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to spoil the movie for anybody, but just one other point is that the movie also reveals very beautifully what happens if you pull the heart out of something or someone. Right. You know, that without our hearts, uh, we become less than human. We become less than who we are. Mm. And so as Moana herself is faithful to her heart, she is able to call someone else who is heartless uh, to become the best of who they are. Right. And it's a, so it's, a, it's an inspiring film. And uh, I love those undertones in a popular family film that's also yeah, very entertaining course. and full of humor. Of course. And, and I guess the message maybe if we link it back, because, I mean, you did mention discernment. As we discern who we are called to be in this world, that we need to make sure our heart is in it. I mean, that might be a sign. She gets a lot of signs. And I love the idea that, I mean, she feels called to go out into the deep. Yes. It really brings to mind, put out into the deep, as St. John Paul used to invite us to. And the reason why her dad, in particular, is 
uh, I mean, he's he's afraid. It's fear that holds him back yes. from going out into the deep. Yes. So maybe a lesson for us. Oh, very much so. Is that we shouldn't be afraid to go out into the deep and to follow our hearts. Yes. Yes. That's good message. Absolutely. Well, there you go. That's good. Thank you. Thank you, sister. I mean, I'm going to have to now watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> Maybe when you're not on a flight. Maybe when I'm not on a flight. Yes. Sister Marie. So it's a movie for the whole family. Yes. Moana. And uh, I'm sure it's on demand in various places where people can get movies on demand. Yes. Sister Marie Paul Curley is a member of the Daughters, the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. And uh, you can read her blog at Windows at WordPress.com. At windows to the windows soul. windowstothesoul.wordpress.com, and you can follow her on Twitter at Sister M. Paul. Hi, my name is Noel Garcia, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect Five. Today, Sebastian speaks with Ojibwe's sister Priscilla Solomon about the relations between the Catholic Church and the Indigenous peoples of Canada. Sister, a major issue of justice in Canada today uh, revolves around uh, the relationship between the Indigenous peoples, communities in Canada, the Canadian government, and the Christian churches. And in our context, the Catholic Church is certainly a part of that. Um, the Truth and Reconciliation Report has come out, the calls to action are out and the churches have responded uh, to those statements. So when you look at uh, the current climate of this dialogue, how would you assess it? I think the climate is a positive one. I think that there's a, a genuine interest, at least at some level in the churches and in the, the general society, to respond to these calls to action. But I think a piece of the climate is that there's a climate of, of, I would say, general lack of awareness of what the Truth and Reconciliation was really about, what its calls to action really are. They're calls to, to change the relationship that has developed over the years between Indigenous and, and non-Indigenous or settler Canadians. The Truth and Reconciliation identified the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People as peoples as the framework for Truth and Reconciliation in Canada, as the framework for a new relationship that we need to be about building. And uh, that declaration is a very significant document that many Canadians know nothing about. What does reconciliation mean to the Indigenous peoples of Canada? I don't know if there's one answer to that question. <laughs> I think one of the things that reconciliation means to the Indigenous peoples of Canada is the um, reconciliation between the kind of relationships that exist in the post in the colonial era that still exist today and through the process of colonization, and the kind of relationships on which this land was built. Those relationships initially were treaty relationships. A lot of Indigenous people are very clear that the treaties have not been honoured. We have not been treated as sovereign nations, and that's what a treaty relationship is, a relationship between sovereign nations. So that's one of the calls for us to begin to respond to, to learn how 
to live as people who are in a treaty relationship, not as people who have conquered peoples whom we, who haven't actually been conquered. Sister, when, when we watch the news today, uh, oftentimes the news is very sad, the news that comes out of the, the various indigenous communities. Uh, you know, people suffering because of economic uh, problems, some social problems, um, you know, the, the numbers of suicides, for example, in some of the remote uh, communities is just is devastating uh, news. Now, the church obviously needs to be present for everybody in every community, but what do you see specifically as, as the Catholic Church's role today in the current situations that, that indigenous peoples are facing? I think part of the Catholic Church's role is the very role of being present. And that means being present not only in those dioceses where the majority of people are indigenous, but also in the other dioceses of Canada where there are also indigenous people in indigenous communities. We identify the indigenous peoples with the North. We say the bishops of the North have indigenous peoples. A lot of the dioceses in the rest of Canada also have indigenous peoples, and so there has to be the building of a new relationship in those dioceses as well. It's not that there's only one reality for indigenous people in Canada. The majority are living in third world conditions in terms of the reserves and, the, and in many cases in the cities as well. So yes, indigenous people in Canada are living in third world conditions, and we need to recognize that. The church has a responsibility to make its parishioners conscious of that fact, to lead us into awareness so that we learn how to respond in a new relationship. The very beginning of a, of a journey that's going to probably last a long time. Absolutely. Sister, thanks very much for coming. You're very by. welcome. Thank you. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with Sister Priscilla Solomon about reconciliation with Indigenous peoples. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org slash connect5 and also on our Roku channel. Coming up in our second half hour, what can Catholics and Protestants learn from each other? And we learn about Latvian Catholic musicians, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm not sure most people really know what ecumenism is. Certainly we don't know what ecumenism looks like. Some hope that true ecumenism means that one day everyone will be Catholic. Others see too little in each other to even find common ground, while others choose to ignore real issues and real questions. I don't know if I have the answer, but I do know that Jesus did not have division in mind when he left as a church. Most books that I've found that encourage dialogue between Catholics and Protestants contain apologetics or points to help us dialogue, or they offer instructions for ecumenical reconciliation. But now there is a book that does neither. In Catholics and Protestants, author Peter Kreeft doesn't claim to resolve any issues between Catholics and Protestants. Instead, it presents many ideas and stories that illustrate the common ground that is shared by Catholics and Protestants and offers a candid reflection on the question of where to go from here. And to tell us more, I'm very happy to be joined now by Peter Kreeft. Peter, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you very much. So, um, in case some of our listeners don't know, you are a convert to Catholicism. How does that experience give you a unique insight into this topic? In the same way that uh, when a Jew converts to Christianity, his conversion experience makes him a better Jew. Uh -huh. So, 
more completed Jew. So now I think I am more evangelical uh, as a Catholic than I ever was as a Protestant. Interesting. So would you say that that is true with all conversions, that a, a true conversion means that we're adding rather than taking away? Well, yes, but you can't always know what is an addition. Heresies look like an addition, too, <laughs> but they're not. Right. So you can't just look at whether the sentence is, is affirmative or negative, but whether right. you're talking about truth or or denying it. Right. So um, it, it, when I it, when you explain that in the book, I was thinking, oh, this sounds a little bit like he's saying that being Catholic is better than being Protestant, but that's not what you're saying. Well, insofar as it's true, of course it is, by definition. Even even a Protestant would have to admit that. Right. An honest Protestant is not a Catholic for only one honest reason. He doesn't believe that these Catholic beliefs are true. Right. So there can't be an ecumenism that ignores truth. Right, right. And that's, that's, that's I think, almost a, a too, too complicated to get into. Um, but do you see, uh, and because maybe because of the truth question, um, do you see any problems with the typical approach to ecumenism? Yes, most uh, ecumenical dialogue is problem-oriented and argumentative, uh, and there's a place for that, it's apologetic. Yeah. But the true common ground that we have uh, is a person. Uh, for Christians, truth is a person. Uh, Christ has said, I am the truth. Right. And very clearly in Scripture, which we both accept as Protestants and Catholics, yes. uh, Christ uh, is not a bigamist. When he comes back in the last day, he will not marry a harem. Mm -hmm. but the Church has to be one. Mm -hmm. So what then is the better approach to ecumenism? Start with uh, our not just common beliefs, but our common faith in Christ and in His will. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, both sides at the time of the Reformation uh, were guilty of, uh, well, the sins that all human beings are guilty of, pride, arrogance, self-servingness, etc. Uh, insofar as we look to the baton of our common conductor and do His will, we will play the same music, because mm -hmm. that's His will, harmonious mm -hmm. music. And insofar as we don't, we don't. Right. Now, that sounds—it makes sense to me hearing it from you. What, what do you tell people who tell you that, that, that they've never heard that, that that approach is not a Catholic approach? Would you say that this, that approach is part of our Catholic teaching? That's a universally human approach. Mm -hmm. The Catholic Church and honest Protestants, too, uh, insist that uh, we can't just sit around and compromise. Right. Uh, we're talking about divine revelation and how to understand it. We're talking right. about the will of God. We're not talking about something human. So it's not a, a political deal. Right. Now, you mentioned in the book, and I know you've you've taken a lot from a document, an encyclical by St. John Paul II called Ut Unim Sint. Um, would you say that a lot of these ideas are taken from that document? Yes. The fundamental idea that ecumenism is not an add-on or an addition or an option, but a necessary part of the gospel, uh -huh. just as, let's say, social justice is. Right. Uh, that's pretty clear from Scripture. Yeah. So it's not a specialty. We we all have to work for union in different ways. Right. Yeah. Um, Pope Francis, I love it because he's always reminding us that when people talk about you know us being n not in full communion or being or separated or whatever other term people use, that he always reminds us that we actually we share one baptism. That and that's huge. Um, are there other things that Catholics and Protestants? I mean, you mentioned Scripture, but are there other things that Catholics and Protestants share? 
I think the most powerful thing that we share is uh, in our own hearts, our resolution, our desire uh, to find the truth and to do God's will, because we're promised on highest authority that those who seek find. And when Christ said that, he wasn't talking about things like money or health or power. He was talking about truth. Right, right. Um, you 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 mention, and this might be a little complicated for some people, but I trust that you can explain it. Um, that the issue of justification, which at, uh, would have been at some point a point of disagreement, maybe for some people it still is because they don't fully understand it, but that that has been resolved. Can you explain that quickly to us? Yes, the joint statement on justification was approved by both the Vatican and uh, uh, Lutheran bishops worldwide. Uh-huh. Uh, and this central issue of the Reformation, the thing that justified Luther in his own mind in leaving the Church, namely that he thought Catholics didn't know how to get to heaven, they were right. working their way in by good works, mm-hmm. whereas he taught justification by faith alone. Mm-hmm. That seemed to be, for almost 500 years, a non-negotiable issue. Right. Now, is it a one-part ticket to heaven or a two-part ticket? But when we started listening to each other and understanding each other, we discovered that we were saying essentially the same thing in different language systems, as the New Testament does. Right. For instance, in Galatians and in Romans, Paul says you are justified by faith, and James says you are not justified by faith alone, but by Mm -hmm. faith and good works. How Mm -hmm. does that work out? Well, if by justification you mean just getting to heaven, uh, Luther's right, the thief on the cross had no time for good works, but he got to heaven. Right. But if you mean by justification becoming totally right with God, God will not rest until we're perfect saints, and for that we need good works, the works of love. Mm-hmm. So it depends on how you're using the word. Right, right. And that, at I guess at the top levels, the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church, they've decided, and you said there was a joint statement, that we actually agree that we're not saying two different things. Um, and that's an amazing achievement. No one thought that possible 50 years ago. No, I know it is. Obviously, this is something that God did, not just us. Absolutely. Maybe that's that should be the number one lesson in, in this kind of work, that we should let God lead us and, and God do it. Um, did you learn anything in writing this book? You know, what, what can Catholics and Protestants learn from each other? Well, in, write, in the process of writing the book, I had to listen more carefully to the ideas, and uh, I think I learned anew the crucial importance of listening. Mm-hmm. A very simple thing, but uh, a very rare thing. God gave us uh, two ears and one mouth, but we usually talk twice as much as we listen instead of vice versa. Right. And again, something Pope Francis keeps reminding us about dialogue. Dialogue, listen to each other, even if we disagree, even if it's uncomfortable. Or maybe yep. maybe yep. It, you maybe. have you have no right to respond until first you listen to your your dialogue partner. Yeah, yeah, maybe especially when it's uncomfortable. Um, Peter, we're going to leave it there. Um, I like I said, I'm very much enjoying the the book. The way you've organized it, it, I think, is one of the things I like the most. So it's not a book that I have to start at the beginning and read to the end. Um, mm-hmm. I can just open a chapter and read it or find a topic. Um, is there a particular reason why you organize it that way? Yeah, I have ADD, and I get bored easily, and I don't like long sermons, so the book consists in very short chapters. There you go. That's probably why I like it, because I'm exactly the same way. Um, Peter, thank you so much for uh, for not being afraid to go into this topic further, and I and I, we always love what you're uh, writing, and uh, thank you for sharing a little bit of that with us today. You're very welcome, Deacon, and God bless you. 
Peter Kreeft is a professor of philosophy at Boston College, and he's one of the most respected Christian authors of our time. He's written many books, including How to Be Holy, Practical Theology, Back to Virtue, Because God is Real, You Can Understand the Bible, Angels and Demons, Heaven, The Heart's Deepest Longing, and A Summa of the Summa. His latest book, Catholics and Protestants, What Can We Learn from Each Other, is published by Ignatius Press, and you can also learn more about Peter and what he's up to at his website, peterkreeft.com, and it's Kreeft, K-R-E-E-F-T. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily, peterkreeft.com. Here now is another featured artist from Latvia, Ines Sulzanoka, with Psalm 130 from her album Talita Kum. Ja tu gribi noziegumus pielīdzināt, kas gan lai pastāv, kums kas lai pastāv That was Inez Sulzanoka with Psalm 130 from her album Talita Kum. And the refrain of that psalm setting was, Israel have hope in the Lord. Last week, we spoke with Father Peter Skudra, director of Radio Maria Latvia. He told us about his work in radio and a bit about the church in Latvia. After we taped last week's show, 
Father Peter stayed on and we spoke about Catholic music and Catholic musicians in Latvia. Here is that portion of the conversation. So last time we spoke, uh, Father Peter, um, a little bit about you and the work that you do with Radio Maria in, in Latvia. Um, and I was going to ask you, we talk, you talked about a lot of the programs. You said you produce about 40 programs um, yeah. with volunteers. Is any of your programming music programming? Oh, yeah. Uh, my colleague, she does amazing work. She, every two weeks, she produces program which is called God in a Contemporary Music. Uh-huh. So she, <laughs> we have uh, broadcasted on air like Limp Bizkit and Queen and, and oh, things like really? this. And then she, you know, connects it to the catechism, to the Bible, and, and, and shows that you see that in... In this song, they want to say they are singing about certain values, and those values, you know, we have common. I think it's it's very. This is my my favorite program, just because I think this is how we can talk to the contemporary world. Interesting. Yeah. So that's. But she's using secular music. Only secular. Only music. pop music. Yeah. Um, n- n- would you have opportunities to uh, to broadcast or air Catholic music? Here. I, in your radio I, station, in Radio Maria, yeah, or well, we it's have mainly a talk radio station. It's uh, yeah, mostly talk radio station, but we have time for music too. Yes, and uh, yeah, we have also let's call it Catholic music, but um, mm-hmm. there are not too many Catholics who produce music because to be a musician in Latvia, it, it means that you have some work, and then in your free time you you write music, and, yes, and then you yes. you know play. <laughs> Yes, it's like you know, hobby, a very expensive hobby. But mm-hmm. there are some some people who have dedicated their life, free yeah. time for for playing some music. Yeah, of course, you know the reason why I'm asking you. And and throughout the program, we've been hearing some artists from Latvia. Oh yeah. Um. So you and uh, of course, the only connection I have to Catholic, we can call it Catholic music in Latvia, is you. So you uh, chose these three groups or these artists so that we could play some music. Tell me a bit, a little bit about the first one. The first one is a, a band called Seminarians because <laughs> it's a seminarian band. Are they band. seminarians? And the story of this band, it's my most favorite one <laughs> because I was part of it. When I was in seminary, I, I saw that there are so many talented guys, you know. Yeah. There was one guy playing guitar, the one who d- didn't finish seminary. Now he works in the Radio Maria. Yes. He's like, you know, he's like guitar hero. Is wow. he can play Pink Floyd or whatever you want, you know, and then he does it freely. And he was writing his own music. And there was one other guy who was DJ. Uh-huh. Since he was 16 years old, he was playing, you know, mu- music in the clubs. And, and even during the seminary, he was recording some, you know, strange sounds and putting all this together in this ambient music. Uh-huh. And, and there are other guys. My my classmate, he was a professional musician, studied in in Berlin and, and playing uh, this um, contrabass and uh, all these things, yeah, you know. Please. And plenty of them singing and playing. And and then I said to the the DJ guy, I said, "Come on, maybe you can make some, you know, beats." And then the Maris, the other guy, he can play yes. his guitar, you know. He said, "Yeah, yeah, ask Maris to play some guitar, and I will, you know, put some beat under it." And then I go yeah. to Maris, and Maris says, "Okay, let's." Ask Eddie's to make you know some beat, and I will play the guitar on it. I was like you know playing this ping pong. Yeah. And and in a certain moment, I I just I felt in my heart that God is asking me to just gather them together and say, "Come on, guys, yeah. let's let's make a band. Let's let's play something." And 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 they really came. 
there were like, you know, 10 seminarians came and they said, okay, Peter, what we are going to play? And I said, well, and Maris raised his hand, the guitar guy, he mm-hmm. said, actually, I have composed a mass. Really? And it all ended up, we started with those mass parts like Sanctus and Kiri and everything yeah. this, and we ended up with the 15 or 16 songs mm-hmm. written just by seminarians. There was one guy, he was just playing his... Um, whatever instrument it was, he yeah. just played in his school, you know. He said he never tried to write. Right. He wrote three songs, and I think one of them is what the best song in the really? whole album. Yeah. Really? And he still continued to compose. So you gla- they played together as seminarians, but they didn't, They obviously s- most of them are priests now. Do they still play together or not? Half. You know, so. uh, recently I saw a video recorded uh, when we first performed, and I saw just right half of them are priests and half of them have left. Right, good. Yeah. Good. Okay, good. Um, tell me a little bit about the next group. The next group, uh, uh, actually, it's a singer. She's, um, mm-hmm. uh, she's working in, 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 uh, in uh, Warsaw as a representative of our country in, 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 um, in embassy. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, she spends her free time to produce music, to sing, to write music. Mm-hmm. And um, she's also a good friend of mine, and she's very active in, in, in the church, so... I think this this war this album she recorded two years ago. It's like work of her life right. since she plays somewhere and, and performs. Finally, she got this opportunity to record an album. Yeah. What is her name? Uh, Inessa. Inessa. So tell me a little bit more about her. So what kind of music? I mean, we. Uh, we well, it's she is more like you know when you go in bar and there is this jazz band in the back. Right. So and background. Uh, yeah, she's like like. Well, it's my opinion. I associate with with mm. this music here, but you know, when I listened to the album, I was thinking, okay, it's kind of you know, girlish, you know, producing. But when I saw when I saw her in a mass, I asked her to come to my parish where I was a vicar, mm-hmm. and when she performed during the mass and after the mass, it was amazing. She, I really what I appreciate in her, it's it's how she can, you know, draw attention. By pop, and, and and everyone is really listening. So she's a good performer. Oh yeah, and I think that she performs much better than she have recorded an album. But and I cannot she, tell it. Well, no, I think that's well, for a lot of people. Um, it, it, does she compose her own music as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And w- so you say she's Catholic, but is she is it music to evangelize? Or I mean, obviously some music is liturgical. <sighs> some of music, actually, the basic concept of album is song of songs. Okay. It's like dedication to love, and that's why there is three-part song called Shim Hashirim, which uh, comes, you know, Hebrew word comes from the Song of Songs. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's her version about the love and uh, this, um, you know, divine love for right. us. That in this Song of Songs, she she sees that um, it's also a story about God's love for the mm-hmm. soul and. Uh, nice. Yeah, but also some parts of your for for liturgy like Gloria or something. Right. Like that. Okay. Uh, good. Okay. And then the last group. What are the last they? group co- is called Ex Animo, uh, uh-huh. which means like from heart, from soul. Uh-huh. And it's it's an interesting story about them because um, it was quite big band. It started as a parish band, you know, for the youth mass. And yeah. And uh, there were two leaders, a guy and a girl, and now sh- they are married. And last week they got fourth kid you know yeah. their birth <laughs> and it's it's very interesting story it's like family which have been you know on stage 
and all the Catholics know everything about them because when they get married, everyone finds out in the next concert they, you know, both <laughs> wear <laughs> rings on their yes. fingers. Well, one year later, on, they they see that on the stage there is one little kid, you know, walking around because it's their kid, their and, kid. and they always That's like great. do like that. And, and now they have four kids, but they still continue to perform. And it's 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 amazing how this you know simple parish band have become mm. like like national yeah. known Catholic band. Amazing. So that's Exanima. Um, so here in North America, sometimes you would have a large Catholic gathering, like at World Youth Day, um, and you would bring some groups. Does that sort of thing would happen at a national level maybe? If you have a youth event, would you bring some of these groups to sing? Yeah, basically, those are also uh, youth days. But yeah. uh, for musical performances, we, we in, because Catholic bands, you can count them on fingers. Yes. So if you invite every year the same bands, you know, it's becoming boring. <laughs> so that's why we have plenty of Protestant bands. Okay, and I see. Baptist, actually, Baptists are very good at they playing are. music yes. in our country. Production, and and every, almost every bigger parish has very good quality band uh, with good, you know, equipment. And, and they play also in Catholic events and then this is actually other thing we didn't talk in last program that all the all the denominations stick together. Oh, that's good. And 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 this is interesting how you see the Baptist band performing, you know, youth days, uh, national right. youth days uh, right. for Catholics or, yeah. or vice versa. There is some right. Baptist even, and there is Exanimo playing, you know, the Catholic band. And right. Right. Um, now, the last thing, and we also didn't talk about this at the last uh, last time we spoke, but you're not a musician, even though you obviously have a passion for music. I have passion for music. I love to listen to music. And uh, St. Augustine said, and I completely yes. agree with him, that it's divine ability to make music mm-hmm. and to play music. And, well, unfortunately, I don't have this ability, but I love people doing that so mm-hmm. that's why I try to encourage seminarians to try to perform and, and I didn't expect such a you know result as uh, I know that's great own recorded album only our own 100% our own written songs and then music mm-hmm. it's amazing it's, it's am- amazing. I would like to produce some more album but well, good. I have to find people who are crazy enough to spend their free time to record Well, I'm it, sure yeah. you can find some people that are crazy enough. Anyway, um, music, also a great way to evangelize, especially young people. Oh, yeah. Father Peter, so good to have you with us here in Canada in our Salt and Light uh, studio. Father Peteris Skudra, he's the director of Radio Maria. Thank you very much. That was a conversation I had with Father Peter Skudra, director of Radio Maria Latvia, last week in our Salt and Light Hour studio. You can learn more about their work and tune in to Radio Maria Latvia at rml.lv. Here now is another featured group from Latvia that Father Peter mentioned, Ex Animo, with Esi Sveishinata Maria, which means Hail Mary, from their album Mes Ludsam, which means We Are Asked. Sveicināta Marīta Zēlestības pīhilnā Kungs ir ar tevi Tu esi starp sievietēm svetītā Un svetīts ir tāvas miesas augnis Jēzus
We're listening to Ex Animo from Latvia with Hail Mary from their album Mes Lutzam. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream our podcast, all our Salt and Light programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where you can learn about all featured artists and guests. Remember to write us to tell us what you think of this show and whether you missed Billy or not. You can write to me via Facebook or Twitter at Deacon Pedro. And you can find me, Emily Callan, on Twitter at Emmy Callan and Billy, because you didn't say his Twitter handle, Pedro, at Bijo Chan. In the weeks to come, Lisa Hendy from CatholicMom.com, Joe Zambone, Ken Canedo, and Dr. Greg Popchak on this program so you don't want to miss our shows for the rest of June. Thank you for listening. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the, the Salt and Light, Light Hour. Hour.